uh, the Pharisees were uh, looking at Jesus and accusing him that he is driving out demons by the prince of demons himself. Okay, this is how Jesus responds. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Matebogum, Shibijang, Yishibojer. Okay, verse 25. Let's look at verse 25. It says, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Alright. Uh, number one, uh, when you're out there, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. A missions team that has division and dissension, dissension cannot stand as well. You guys will not be able to go out and accomplish the work of God if you allow Satan, because Satan is going to attack in this way, with little gripes, little disagreements that are going to try to bring division. If you're tempted to gossip or even listen to gossip during the trip, don't do it. Anything you do to bring division in the team, all right, you need to just stand against it in your heart, in your mind right now. You've got to make it up before you get there because you need unity while you're out there. All right, a good army cannot go out onto the battlefield all right, and expect just a bunch of expert warriors to get the battle, to win the battle. You need a, an army that's united. And we need to go out as a united army to go out and really plunder and to, and to, and to, and to just advance the kingdom of God. So number one, it's this, I believe Jesus speaks about unity here. He just takes this opportunity to also kind of twist it around and, and speak about unity. Uh, let's keep reading. Verse 27. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, which is just another word for Satan, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Amen. Uh, in another version it says, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, when we go out into the battlefield, when we go out into the missions field and we carry the message of the kingdom, and we go out to do the work of the kingdom, you cannot advance the kingdom without the power of God. That's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of God, you cannot advance the kingdom of God. You might get a bunch of people that will identify themselves as a convert, but you will not have true committed people that are sold out and filled with the Holy Spirit with, unless you have the power of God accompanying you. If you just go out and you talk, 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 and you just preach, 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 that's all you do, all right, you're not going to advance the kingdom of God. And, you know, for many, many, many years and decades, that's the way the, the church has kind of resorted to doing ministry. Back in the times of the Great Awakening, Early on in America's history, the Great Awakening, all that revival occurred with the power of God being present. It was not, D.L. Moody did not just go out and preach messages. He demonstrated the power of God. 
Right? When Jonathan Edwards even, this guy was a scholar, really intellectual. Even when he went out, there would be manifestations of the power of God everywhere. People would be shaking on the power of God. Uh, without the power of God, you cannot truly advance the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you why. Paul said it like this. Paul said, I did not come with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that why? So that your faith will not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. You know, when you demonstrate the power of God and you get people saved, it has a way of humbling them. Yes, they need, they need the message. Yes, they need good teaching and preaching. But without the demonstration of God's power, unless they really taste and see that God is a God of power, you won't have humble converts. You won't have humble disciples. You have a lot of disciples that would think that they, get, they got saved because they were smarter and they were able to get the message of the gospel. Through their intellect, through their persuasion that they got it while other people didn't. And when that becomes the basis for why people are converted, you're just going to have a bunch of people in the church that are filled with pride. All right. The kingdom of God advances by the power of God. So that means when you go out on the field, we ought to expect... Brothers and sisters, we ought to expect, even when we go out on the streets, I heard y'all went to Coex last week. When we go, next time you go to Coex, we need to expect the power of God to show up. And we need to ask God to show up in that way. Because sometimes we just tell the Lord, they'll just set up divine appointments and help me to just encourage somebody and to plant a seed. Okay. Those are nice prayers. But if you really want to expand the kingdom of God, because when you go out to Coex, guess what you're doing? You're stepping into enemy territory. You think you're going to get convert? You think you're going to win and advance the kingdom of God in enemy territory by praying a prayer like that? Alright? You need to ask God, Lord, I know that I cannot advance the kingdom of God without your power. So Lord, when I go to Coex, I pray that your power will begin to manifest right here. When I pray for people to get healed, I pray your power will show up to heal them. When I pray for people to get delivered, may they fall under the power of God and, and the finger of God, the anointing of the Spirit, drive out the bondage. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, when a person manifests demonically, alright, it does, it does one of two things. The person will get so freaked out a lot of people, Satan lies to them. Immediately, when they manifest demons, immediately Satan lies to them and says, Pastor Christian caused this inside of you. He put a demon spirit in you. I can't tell you how many times I pray for people who fell on the power of God and there were bond, demonic bondage in them. It came to the surface. And whether it was through a vision or through, through their physical manifestation, they later accuse me and say, Pastor Christian, I don't know what you did to me, but the moment you pray for me, all these demon spirits came out. All these demon spirits start to attack me. Okay. That's a lie of the enemy. Right? But if they believe that, guess what they're going to do to try to get back to life as normal? They're going to push anything spiritual away. And including God. It's a good answer because you know what? You push God away, guess what? Those demon spirits, they're going to get very content, very happy, and they're going to stop harassing you. Because they've done their work. Now they're going to do their work hidden without your knowing that they're there. It can do that, or it can do secondly, 
it can convince them and convict them that all along, all those secret sins that they've been involved with, or whatever traumas that they've been through and they didn't deal with it in a, in a, in a biblical manner, they will be convicted that indeed they are in the bondage. They are under bondage and they need help. And they need freedom. Okay? So it does one of two things. It makes people get freaked out and, and be, get so filled with fear that they push away the things of God, including God Himself, or they get convicted that they need help. But I guarantee you that you just talking to somebody about bondage, it will take you weeks for you to convince them that they need help. It will take weeks for you to humble them that they need help. But man, when the power of God shows up, you know, man, they go, oh, Pastor Christian, I don't know what that was back there. Can you tell me what happened? You know, on, on, during, in Australia, one, uh, during the Sunday service, <clears throat> uh, are we recording? Okay, I, I can't share that then. Alright, but, um, hallelujah, but, but praise the Lord, hallelujah. We need the, we need the power of God to show up. Okay, so when God's power shows up, this is one thing that you will always see. You will see demons being cast out. That's what Jesus says. It is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or in the NIV, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then you will know that the kingdom of God has come upon you. So when we go out to Myanmar, you go out to Cambodia, you go out to Thailand. Alright? If you see people flipping out, manifesting demons, you will know that the power of God has shown up in that place. It's not that demon spirits showed up. It's that the power of God showed up. And the power of God starts to drive out the demons to the surface. Okay. That's what we need to want. We gotta want that. We gotta expect that. Because man, I'm telling you, when we were in Australia, although there weren't that many demonic manifestations, man, people were getting set free by the power of God, by the finger of God. People were getting set free from all kinds of bondage. Okay, I'll tell you a story. Alright, while I was there, there's a young man, Let's just call him Tom. Okay. This young man Tom, uh, didn't really want to talk to me, but it happened to be that God had kind of set it up and he, he was there and he was like wanting to talk to his friend. He was out there to actually get his friend. But since I was there, he was like, actually, Pastor Christian, I have something to ask you. And I was like, what is it, bro? And I just felt a letter of the Spirit. Just go into the room, go into a private place. I'm about to do something big. So I took him to the office and we sat down. We just started talking. And this is after the fire service. So many, a couple of people were really offended. There's some crazy manifestations up there. They were just like, what? What? That's not God. That's not the God that I know. And they want to talk to me. So I was talking to a few people. But I ended up talking to this one dude. Let's call him Tom, right? I'm talking to Tom, right? <coughs> and this guy, Tom, you know, and I tell people, I have a gift. Right? I, I, there's an anointing that is on me. That all, all I have to do is say, how are you? And people will share their life stories with me. I'm not kidding you. Brother Michael, my, my mentor, he said, you have an anointing, brother. When you talk to people, people share their life story with you immediately. I'm like, yeah, that happens all the time. And it's actually kind of a burden sometimes because I'll just sit down and, and having lunch, I'll be like, hey, bro, what's going on? You know? And so, you know, whenever I have lunch at a retreat, usually I don't like, I don't like, I just like joke with people because if I just ask them, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm going to get a life story. So I just sit down with his brother. All I said was, what's up, bro? What's going on? And he just started opening up. Never did it before. He started opening up. This guy, what happened was, he was living in Australia. Moved to Korea in middle school. 
And when he came to Korea, he didn't, he didn't know how to speak Korean. So all these little gangpet kids came up to me. He said, 이 새끼야, you know, 왜 한국말 못해, 한국 사람이? And then he, he was just like, oh, you know, whatever. He didn't know what to say. And they punched him. And they beat him down. And terrorized him every day. And this is a small little kid, you know. And at that time, he was actually pretty strong for the Lord. He was really in love with the Lord. And they were just beating him down every day, terrorizing his life. Guess what he did? He got so angry with these gang, uh, little bullies that he allowed a spirit of anger to take control of him. Okay, I'll explain how I know a spirit of anger he took control of him. The next time he saw the bully kid, okay, he took a chair. This is like sixth, seventh grade. He took a chair, smashed it over the bully's, you know, back, neck, whatever. He he knocked him to the ground, took the rest of the chair, and smashed the kid's teeth in, breaking all his teeth, right in the front of everybody watching. Okay. And he did not feel any remorse. He was numb, he said. And you know what? He said he felt good. He said he felt power. He said that, he said that from then on, nobody messed with him ever again. And the next school he went to, he did the same thing. First point, person to bully him, he went and he wrecked him. Got respect. You know, on the streets, that's how you kind of get respect. When, when somebody, you know, you, they mess with you, Alright, you make sure that you stand up for yourself and you do it once real well, nobody's ever going to mess with you again. Alright, and this guy, he has so much of spirit of anger, it started to change his countenance and his relatives started to say that he looked different, he acted different. And then he, and then I'm just like, alright bro, you need to like forgive that bully kid in Korea. You need to forgive him. But you know what, not only do you need to forgive him, you need to like confess. What you did to that, to that kid was wicked, it was evil, you allowed a spirit of anger to get a hold of you, you need to confess those sins. And right there at that moment, because the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we had invited the Holy Spirit to come into that room, he just started to weep and cry. And he felt the weight of the guilt, and he was allowing his heart to open up. Because the power of God was present. As with before, when he thought of these things, he was still numb. On that moment, he was getting convicted, the guilt was there, and he started to cry, and he realized, not only did he have to confess, but he realized that he was so angry with that kid, he needed to forgive that kid. Alright? So we're, we're kind of leading him through these steps, and in the middle, the Holy Spirit reminds him, boom! Another incident in high school. And in, in this incident, uh, this young man, he, I guess there was a, another kid at the church that was a little bit uh, mentally handicapped. And uh, this kid was just, uh, just kind of irking him. This guy Tom, right? So Tom uh, took the mentally disabled kid outside in, during church, outside into the back, and just like beat the crap out of this kid. And while he's sharing this, he started to cry. He started to break down and cry. Because he said, all I see is that mentally disabled kid on his knees. He's begging for mercy. And I'm continuing to kick him and punch him and just beat the crap out of him. And he just started to cry as he saw this image. When he experienced it, he was numb. But because the power of God was present, he started to see just how terrible his actions were. Right? And now we had something different. Not only did he have to confess of doing that, there was a guilt 
that he would not release for himself. He had to forgive himself. See, we've got to train you guys to do this in this kind of ministry. If you're well trained in this, I mean, it's not that hard. It doesn't take a PhD to, to run people through this, you know. When he started sharing that, I realized, man, right there, Holy Spirit was like, he needs to forgive himself. I said, bro, you think you can forgive yourself? He's like, I don't know if I want to. What I did was terrible. I said, bro, you need to forgive yourself. What you did, you're right, was terrible. It was horrible. I can't believe you did that to somebody. But you know what? That comes under the blood. You gotta bring it under the blood of Christ. And you gotta, you gotta forgive yourself. So as I lead him through this prayer to forgive himself, confess the sin and then forgive himself, as I'm doing this, he just starts to cough up a storm. And he hadn't been coughing all night. Just coughing up a storm and he couldn't stop coughing. Because the power of God, I'm telling you, just came present. It starts to fill him as he's starting to empty himself and obey the word of God. The spirit of God just came and filled him. And just the power of God started to drive out these demons out of him. And after a period of coughing, it was gone. He just looked up and he cried like this big pool of tears. And he looked up and he said, I feel good. I feel, I feel, I feel so different. I was like, yeah, brother. That yoke, it got lifted off of you. That spirit of anger got driven out, brother. By the word of God and by the spirit of God, by the power of God, you have been set free. Amazing thing is, two days later at the Sunday service, he was there. He was on stage and we're supposed to do an impartation for spirit of prayer. I preached on prayer. And I looked at him and God said, give him the fire. I said, hey, bro, did you get the fire at the retreat? And he's like, he's like, no, I, I didn't, I didn't. I was like, do you want the fire? He's like, uh, all right, bro, you're going to get it right now. You sure you want it? You sure you want it? Right? And right there, man, just as I was talking to him, he just started manifesting. Started manifesting. Right? Fire. There's fire in your life. I didn't say that, but I said fire or something like that, right? He fell on the fire of God. And he was down there for like a good 45 minutes. Just shaking with the fire. His, his, uh, one of his best friends, they're like partners in crime. You know, they, you know, they do the double life together, whatever is, you know, whatever is drugs or sex or whatever they do, right? That young man came up, sat next to his friend, Tom, right? Sat next to his friend, Tom. And he looked at him. And I, he looked at me, and I came next to him, and I said, what's up, man? And he's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe that's my best friend right there. What is that? I said, that's the power of God, man. Power of God. That's the power of God all over your friend Tom. And guess what, man? God's going to get you next. <laughs> but it, it's true, man. God's going to get him next. Because you know what? He's going to be bored out of his mind. On Friday nights, he's going to have nobody to call. And, all, and he calls his best friend. All his best friends are going to talk about is God. God this, God that. God's a God of power. I've been praying for you. I'm glad you called. Let's meet up and pray. That's what, man. God's going to get him too. Hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters, when we go out, first is unity. Second, we need to demonstrate the power of God. We need to manifest the power of God. So when you go out to a village or a town, the first prayer you should pray when you arrive is not to just sit there in the church and then, you know how, you know, all the old chipsanims and moksanims, they do it, you know, they, they sit down and they, 
And they do the silent prayer and you're like, wow, what a holy man, right? All right, look, when you get to a village or a town, right, just get up in there, sit in that chair and say, Lord, manifest your presence and your power here today. That's what we came here for. Nothing less than your kingdom to come with power here. Pray that prayer. Your mission trip will be radically different. The more hungry you are, you're going to see more power go through you. All right, let's keep reading. Right, verse 29. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, our Australia trip, I can't describe it. I mean, I was trying to describe it like in just like, you know, a phrase or a sentence. And I don't remember who said it. I don't know if it was Bill Johnson or somebody who's Bill Johnson's friend. But they said, they said it and I heard it and I was like, well, that's exactly it. When we were in Australia, what we did was we plundered Satan's house. Back when I was growing up in Philadelphia, <clears throat> when, I, when I moved into Adams Run Apartments, my cousins used to live at Firm Rock Apartments down the street. Right? Every other week, somebody was getting robbed in Firm Rock. I mean, it was terrible, man. It was terrible. You know, like Chris Rock, he, he kind of jokes around like, you know, your name, you know, you know some, some of these people will come over, they'll rob you, come over the next morning and say, I heard you got robbed. Right, that was exactly Firm Rock. People will come and they'll rob you, and they'll come back the next day and say, I heard you got robbed. My man, cousin, we're getting robbed every day. And, you know, praise God that actually, for all the years I lived in Philadelphia, I saw so many of my cousins getting robbed, I never got robbed once. At least in my house. So that's really God's grace. That's, that shows you that God's call was strong on my life early on. Right, for whatever reason, He protected me. Man, I remember my cousins used to put up bars, steel bars on their windows and doors, and they would still get robbed. I, I think that actually that was evidence of a curse on, the, on them. <clears throat> but um, anyway, man, it would be so frustrating when we get robbed. Like when, when I want to hear about my cousins getting robbed, you know? And it would make me like kind of scared, you know, about us getting robbed. And, and you know, like we never got robbed in the house, but we would get robbed on the streets. We'll get robbed in the car. Our car will get broken into. People will shatter our window every other week in Philadelphia. My dad and my mom will be working as benders downtown at the Galleria. They would like sell these little fanny packs and t-shirts with Super Bowl signs on them and stuff, you know. You know, that was illegal by the way, but don't, don't do that. You know, I'm not supposed to do that. And they would sell this stuff and then, and then, you know, like, you know, brothers would come up and they'd be like, hey, how much for this? Peace! And they'd just take it and they'd run. And guess what? What my dad would do? My dad would chase them down, alright, and beat them down and get the t-shirt back. That was my dad. My dad was gangster. But brothers and sisters, we're not supposed to live on the defense. The army doesn't live on the defense. The army doesn't wait to get plundered and then go out to fight. What the army does is we go and we plunder Satan's house. That's what we're supposed to do. Look at this word here. So many of us, we, we focus on binding the strong man. Yes, that's important. We need to bind the strong man. 
We need to exercise spiritual authority. We've got to go in and know how to position ourselves with prayers that are precise, that are prophetic. And we've got to bind the strong man. We've got to bind certain spirits. If there's idolatry of any kind, you've got to pray. You've got to bind those spirits. But guess what the focus of this message here today is not focusing on binding. It's focusing on the last part here. It says, how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Hallelujah. That means, indeed, you may plunder the house of Satan. I don't think this is going in yet. Missions team members. You may indeed plunder the house of Satan. When we went to Australia, Satan had a grip. He was wealthy at New Life Church. He had people under bondage of spirit of anger, promiscuity was rampant even among the leadership of the church. There was shame, guilt, unforgiveness. There was ignorance. Man, the church doesn't read their Bible. There's so much bondage and Satan was wealthy. He was pimping New Life Church. Pimping them for everything they had. And guess what? God sent a little army. And hallelujah, we went up in there, we tied them up, we punched them, beat them up, put them under our feet, hallelujah. Satan, not only are we going to tie you up, we're going to make you smell our feet. It's just supposed to stay, it's under our feet. That's where it's supposed to stay, you know. And then not only that, not only did we do that, we went and we said, oh, look at all these goods. Let's go shopping, hallelujah. Brother, get set free in the Jesus name. Sister, you need to get healed. Come on, get healed. Hallelujah. You in too. You over here. Army of God. Let's go. We plundered his house. That's what happened. I'm telling you, that's what happened. When I heard that statement, plundering Satan's house. I, actually, it was plundering hell. But I, I, I can't, doctrinally, I can't agree with that. Okay, I, I don't believe you can plunder, plunder like eternal, everlasting hell. You can't really plunder hell that way. Because you once, you know, I believe, you know, obviously you know. <clears throat> But plundering Satan's house, because it's biblical, it's right here, man, it's right here, it's right here. Indeed, he may plunder Satan's house. Indeed, he may plunder Satan's house. So if we got the unity, and we're seeking to manifest the power, we will indeed go out, bind up the strong man, and plunder his house. That's what the army does. The brothers and sisters, when you go out to Myanmar, to Cambodia, let's not forget Thailand, because we've been forgetting Thailand. Every time we put up a PowerPoint, there's no Thailand. Every time we say we're going on a trip, there's no Thailand. But look, guess what? There's a Thailand. You know what God was telling me? God was like, man, I have hidden it from all y'all eyes on purpose. Because I was like, Lord, how come everybody's so ignorant? Everyone's not remembering Thailand. Not even during the prayer request. We, don't, we, we hardly remember to pray for Thailand. And God was like, guess what? I'm going to do the greatest work while y'all in Thailand. You can prove me wrong. Let's let's see what happens over there. But let's have big expectations. Because wherever we go, we're going to plunder Satan's house. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.